Hi, Kevin. Hey, Mr. Anton, how are you? Pretty good. I'm good. I just got a noisy dog over there. Princess! Yeah, I see you have a fan. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got, I got a yappy dog. Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, I apologize uh, if I'm uh, starting about 15 minutes early. It looks like the studio that I have is not giving me the the full length of time that I want. So we got to have to kind of do this on the fly. Because what it basically is, is just a USB. It's very transparent. We've got a USB. I've got you on speakerphone on my cell. And it's just just need to pick up your voice on the mic. And that's it, really. Okay, not a problem. All right. Now, if I there's a to talk louder if you need me to talk louder, but it's not a problem. Okay. So, what did you end up doing today? I mean, anything special? Eh, saw some doctors and wrote some motions. Okay. All right. And uh, any plans for tomorrow, since tomorrow's the 4th of July? No, no. Tomorrow, our day is uh, basically structured around watching 1776 and Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, the movies. Yes. Oh, of them. Okay. Great. 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 All right. Well, and the way. Hot dogs and hamburgers. Oh, you know, out, uh, outside, I take it? Outside. Assuming it's not raining. Of course. Of course. Of course, you know, if there is a question that you cannot uh, or don't want to answer, you know, as you're a lawyer. So I figure that you know your way around questions. Yeah, I'll take the fifth. Of course. (laughs) Of course. All right. So uh, we're we're, uh, just going to go into it right on the fly. All right. So this is an anatomy of a podcast, also known as the Kevin Johnson program. We're on episode 32 right now. And This is basically a platform to spotlight the creatives of the South Florida community, whether it's arts, culture, and other things. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram under KevJohnPro, as well as Anchor.fm, also under KevJohnPro. I'd like like to introduce my uh, guest at this time. And I'd like to welcome Mr. Alvin Enton to the program. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, speak with me, sir. Thanks, Kevin, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Of, of course, of course. Now, you'll have to forgive my memory, and you'll probably have to jog it more than I, did, I do. But I remember seeing you in a production. It was with the Pembroke Pines Theater of the Performing Arts where you serve now as chairman of the board. And we'll get into that later on. But it was a production of Inherit the Wind. That was way back, probably about, oh, I think 15 years ago, Kevin. Okay. Maybe maybe 20. Okay. Now, this was at the Walter C. Young Resource Center. I remember that much. That's correct. Okay. Okay. We, we, We moved to the Cats Theater probably about 12, 13 years ago. Okay, okay. And you played the role of William Jefferson Brady, is that correct? I did indeed. Okay, okay. 
I, yeah. So, because my friend um, who I've known since high school, Elizabeth Gerard, she was in it. I believe she played Rachel, who was the wife of the guy who was on trial. And you, I believe, uh, or Brady was supposed to be the prosecutor. That's correct. Okay. And uh, you know, my, 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 my objective was to try and make her cry. <laughs> so that's what I remember seeing you from. But we'll take a step back even further. So originally, where are you from, Mr. Enton? Originally, I'm from, I was born in Brooklyn, but I, I grew up in uh, Passaic, New Jersey. Okay. All right. And uh, when did you actually come to South Florida? I came to South Florida for law school back in 1967. Okay. All right. And you are still a practicing attorney, I take it? I am indeed. All right. All right. And what is your field? I'm a criminal defense lawyer. Okay. All right. And uh, I take it you have your own partnership as well? I'm a part of a firm known as the Anson Law Group. We've got about five lawyers, secretarial staff, and nice little practice. Okay. So how did a criminal defense attorney get involved in community theater? Because of my wife and my two children. Uh, our twins were very, very interested in going into theater. Uh, my wife found the Pembroke Pines Theater and got them involved in Oliver probably, that was about 25 years ago. And uh, there had to be a parent at rehearsals. So when I couldn't avoid doing it, I ended up showing up for the rehearsals to watch my kids. Uh -huh. And then after they did Oliver, the next show P.P. Topa did was Fiddler on the Roof. And James Situitz, who was then the president, wanted me to play a, a bit part in Fiddler. I said I've never done anything like that, but he talked me into it, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> so you started off as an actor. I, I started off as a parent. Oh, and, right. And that's what I really was most of the time. Mm hmm and now I understand your twins, uh, that's Gary and Edmund, correct? That, that's correct. Okay. And, and they're, out, they're out in California where they act, not so much anymore, but write, direct. Uh, Gary does uh, productions on uh, reality shows. Edmund just finished producing a Disney Channel uh, quiz show, I think it was. Kind of like a Disney Jeopardy. And that's, that's my... Jiminy Cricket over there. Right. But it's like Disney's Jeopardy, and uh, he just finished that. And, you know, they, they, they've been in five or six major motion pictures. Wow. They've directed four or five motion pictures, and they've wrote four or five motion pictures. Oh, okay. Wow. So they are, it's no longer a dream. It's, it's, a, it's an entire reality. They are actually okay. living the reality. Yeah, they, they, they for example, that they directed uh, Geography Club, which won a lot of awards two or three years ago, uh, and uh, and they've, they've done stuff since then. I I lose track of everything they do. Okay. Okay. But they're busy. Right. That's great. 
That's great. So take me through the steps of the origins of the Pembroke Pines Theater of the Performing Arts. How did it all, I, I take it you've been there since the beginning, so you, under, you understand the nucleus. So I've been there almost from the beginning. It actually began about, I think, three years before uh, we actually got involved. And what, what occurred was uh, James Sichuitz, his grandmother, Florence Andrews, uh, his mother, uh, Stacy uh, Sichuitz, uh, and sister, uh, Stacy Marino, were all very involved in the old Main Street Theater in Miami Lakes. Right. And Hurricane Andrew came through the area in 92 and, and blew away a lot of their homes. Mm-hmm. And they resettled in Pembroke Pines. Okay. And, and it became inconvenient to go back down to Main Street. So they, along with a fellow by the name of Paul Mendelssohn, uh, formed what was originally called the Pines Players and, and, and did the, their initial production, which was The King and I. Okay. And then Oliver was the second production they did after that. So when you came along... So, go ahead. We, we, are, we are a bastard child of the Main Street Players. Right, right. Who recently turned professional after four decades of becoming a of of a being a community theater, so now they That's are correct. compensating their talent. And we are doing the same effective in uh, our fall show this year. We're also going professional. Okay, okay. Well, let's lead up to that for a moment. Now, originally, from what I remember. The PP Topa, for short. Uh, you started off at the Walter C. Young Resource Center, and now Correct. you're performing at the River of Grass uh, complex, the Cats Theater, as Correct. you said. That's correct. Okay. So, was the new venue at the time, was it made for you, or was this a uh, collaboration between you and the city of Pembroke Pines? Well, did you? We, we had an arrangement with the city at Walter C. Young, and the city wanted to build a theater facility at, uh, you know, at the charter school that they were in the process of, of forming out, out there at River Grass, and the affiliation with us enabled them to get the grant that enabled them to build the theater. And, and as a result, we've been joined at the hip with the city in a very, very good and, I think, rewarding partnership for both of us, uh, you know, for the last, you know, 20, 22 years. Okay, okay. And how long have you been chairman of the board for PP Topa? Probably for the last 25 years. Okay. Now, is there always a... Now, is your office... Uh, one of those things that is recurring, or do you have t- to do a vote? I mean, how long is your terms? My uh, term is, is really one year. I've, I've been reelected over my fervent opposition 25 <laughs> times. Uh, but but th- during the same period, we've gone through three or four different presidents, and, and, and they're the ones that are really responsible for, for doing the day-to-day operating of the of the theater company and, 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 and guiding a good portion of the, the 
Now, from what I remember, and like I said, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but there were seeds planted a while ago because the theater critic at the time, the professional theater critic at the time, Jack Zink, who wrote for the Sun Sentinel, uh, lauded over your production of Jekyll and Hyde. And this had to be back uh, when, like 1998, nine or, or, or later? I, I remember this? it was right, it was the production right after we did Inherit the Wind. Okay. It was also at the, uh, it was also Walter C. Young. Okay. And uh, to, to that point in time, and, and I guess we were five, six, seven years old, we'd never even had one of the theater critics grace us with their presence in any of our productions. And, and, and a lot of people had come out and seen our Jekyll, and they began to, to bother Jack Zink to have him uh, come out and see a show. Now, as part of the uh, of what brought him out, I've been communicating with Jack by mail probably for two or three years, trying to get him out. And based upon what he had been hearing, uh, and, and based upon, I guess, my prodding, he came out and watched it. And, uh, his article basically said it all. He just found it hard to believe that community theater could be that good. So... Like I said, you got praise for your production of Jekyll and Hyde. And then I believe a few years later, James Situitz decided to work on a professional arm of PP Topa doing smaller shows at a smaller venue. I believe it was called PP Topa at City Theater. We, we opened that up and I think it ran for about two years and nearly bankrupted the company because it just caused us to spread our resources. And the time that, that the people that were putting in volunteer work, uh, it, it just became very, very untenable. And uh, I think we were paying as much rent for that small little uh, black box as, as we were for our productions at that time of Walter C. Young. And uh, we had a lot of trouble getting people out to a warehouse district in Cooper City, you know, to see a small play in a black box. It was a financial disaster. Hmm. Hmm. So fast forward now, what made, created the decision now in order to go professional to start compensating your talent? And does this also uh, extend to your back of the house too it does it extends to the back of the house it extends to the talent and and and, 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 and kevin what we have we, we've come to the conclusion that even operating as a community theater uh we, we don't have any problem attracting really really top top-notch talent uh even to donate their time which is what it is you know for the lead roles in most of our productions uh, sometimes we've had to go outside of the, uh, the, the talent that, that I would call community theater talent and, and, and have on occasion uh, actually engaged uh, professional actors and paid them uh, to, to fit into lead roles. For example, uh, James Situitz was compensated 
uh, for his uh, role as El John when we did Les Mis. Avi Hoffman and Laura Turnbull uh, were both compensated on an equity a special appearance contract when they did our Fiddler on the Roof. And right now in Bessel of Whorehouse, uh, we have a, an equity special appearance contract with Eric Scotty, who's playing Miss Mona. Okay. The, the problem, the problem though, is with the proliferation of small regional companies all over the Tri-County area right now, uh, well, what's happening is that they're compensating uh, the ensemble-level players, as well as the principals, and it's making it much more difficult for us to maintain quality, consistent quality, through a production. And we felt the only way that we could do that competitively was that if we met the challenge and paid people, not only principals, but paid ensemble, and that way we would kick up the, the, the level of quality of what we put on the stage. Now, do you find that you might run into a problem of, because, of course, there are certain theaters that have now shuttered since, like, for instance, the Stage Door Theater, uh, when they, you know, relocated to the Lauder Hill Performing Arts Center. So now that pool has opened up a bit, but now you have other surrounding companies like The Wick and then Slow Burn, and then Measure for Measure, Lightning Bolt Productions, and then the new Jolt Productions. Uh, do you, do you, will you basically run into a challenge of finding, or you know, say if that same pool is booked for other shows? Well, again, we, 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 we anticipate we're gonna be competitive, uh, and, and we, we anticipate that, that we're, you know, unlike Lightning Bolt and a lot of these other new companies that are just getting off the ground, uh, we have a developed audience, Kevin. You know that uh, you know, we've been playing to an excess of thirteen or 14,000 people per season for our, you know, four show seasons, uh, probably for five to ten years. So, hey, we, we, we bring an audience, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's only going to grow. And, and there really is no competition for us in West Broward. If you think of all the companies you've just mentioned, there's nobody within 25 miles of us in that group that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So we have basically a pool of uh, uh, clientele to draw from, many from the condominiums that pepper the pines going up through uh, even the Tamarack area, uh, that, that, that are available to us, and there's there's nothing else out west. How large is your subscription base now? We've never had a subscription base. Okay. We've never sold a season ticket. We, we, we have groups, and I think our groups are probably good for, for a, a base of 1,000 to 1,200 per show, and, and we find that our average attendance for a musical is something in the neighborhood of 2,500 to 2,800 uh, for a uh, four-week run, and then if you have a uh, you know a real hit like an In the Heights or the West Side Story, we we exceeded 5,000 on both of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said that starting this fall season is when you will start the uh, the compensation process 
for your with show. With Wedding Singer. With the Wedding Singer. Singer. We've already had our season auditions. Okay. For the three, for the three uh, musicals that we're doing next year. And for the straight play, we're going to do our auditions probably in uh, about a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So it's, uh, it, it'll, it'll take effect with Wedding Singer. Okay. All right. And are you keeping your resident directors or are you going to hire other directors depending on the project? Well, we, we when you talk about resident directors, Jeffrey Bruce who you know is a, a former equity actor and a former, actually performed on Broadway, right. has directed three or four of our shows. Uh, we have Jeffrey Short, that's directed several. He's, I guess, is in our, our, our cadre of directors. Uh, Beverly Shanahan uh, and uh, Michael Biggs. And uh, right now we're, we're in negotiations with, with Amy London uh, with regard to the... Uh, to the straight play that we're going to be doing in January. So, you know, we, we'll, we'll go outside for good directors. Okay. All right. And is the musical directors going to stay the same as well, as well as your, you know, of course you have, I'm sure you have like a roster of musical directors and choreographers and things that you've built over the years. So I'm sure yeah, that they're going to stay. Our, our last two musical directors have been Anthony Campisi, who also music directs for Slowburn, and Carol Fantel, who I don't have to tell you is one of the outstanding musical directors in, in South Florida. Reputation is beyond have, reproach, yes. And, and we have Michael Day as well. So, Okay. Now, as far as uh, that goes, there's Princess again. I said, there's Princess again. I'm sure that she wanted to bring in her own two cents, too. Yeah, but her mother is going with her. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Um, okay. As far as the musicals go, are you in a position in order to uh, stay with, uh, uh, to move to a live orchestra? Well, well we have. We have we're going to have a live orchestra uh, with Anthony Campisi, by the way, on stage in Best Little Whorehouse. Okay. And, uh, let me think, Wedding Singer, I think we're back to, we're going to be using tracks. Uh, however, uh, for Urinetown, we'll be back to an orchestra, and for Evita, we'll be back to an orchestra. So we're going to have live orchestras for two of the three next year. Okay. Okay. So... I'm sure that you have a staff, an actual staff that oversees the day-to-day -day operations of the theater. So, um, other than groups, uh, where are, where would you be, you know, drawing your funding from in order to pay out all of this? Well, we we have historically, unlike most theaters in the area. Uh, Draw our funding almost completely uh, from uh, ticket sales. Okay. And we, we, we've done that by being very careful budgetary-wise, and uh, you know, we've been fairly successful in, in, in drawing in uh, customers. We also have a very favorable lease arrangement with the city, which, which, which makes my, my rental of space a, a lot easier 
to, to accomplish than many of the professional companies that are paying a lot more for space than, than, than we are, which makes up for a lack of, for example, grants. Uh, I remember when uh, Avi Hoffman had New Vista and was operating out of that West Boca High School. Right. They were being charged by the school board in Palm Beach 13000 a weekend. Mm. You know, it, 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 those kinds of numbers, you know, it, it explains why companies like Slowburn had two-week seasons when they opened up there. Uh, we pay nothing like that. And okay. as a result, you know, it, it eases our financial burden considerably. So in that particular case, you don't necessarily have to raise ticket rates. No, we, we, we have uh, our, our high ticket price, about $35. Our average ticket price is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 Okay. Okay. And now, tell me a time where you thought that, of course, I mean, what is the secret to your longevity staying with one theater company this long as its chairman? Um, where do you, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, with your knowledge of, uh, of theater up until this point, I mean, you could have taken it anywhere. What, uh, why stay with P.P. Topa? Well, initially, these people were my friends, and they still remain my friends. We're just going on a second or third generation of them. Uh, you know, it was the training ground for my children. I've got the investment of time and effort, and uh, I'm just comfortable where I am. It's just, it's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with people I like working with there, and we've accomplished amazing things. I mean, I don't know how many of our shows you've seen, Kevin. I know I've seen you in a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, we're really proud of the stuff we put up on a stage. Good. Good. So the formula is always going to stay with three musicals and a straight play? Uh, that, that, that's what our intention is. And, and, and that's because more people want to see musicals. And, and, and uh, secondly, I mean... You know, if you, if you take a look at, at your straight play theaters and you talk about Empire Stage or you, you, you talk about uh, Island City, and you're, you're talking about venues where, you know, they need to go outside and, and, and generate large grants and money because they put 60 people in, into a theater because it's 60, 80, 100 people is, is what comes out for the straight plays. I, I've got a, uh, I've got an auditorium that seats 450, and and when we put on a musical, you know, we we, we, we draw between 350 and four if it's a successful musical for performance. So you know, it's a different economy of scale. Understood. Now, of course, uh, I'm sure that you have a committee that has to pick the pieces that um that uh, is going to make your season but is also going to make you money so i figure that something familiar is a is going to draw well as opposed to something that is a little bit more original 
So, like, take it like, for instance, you've got the best little whorehouse in Texas. It's a standard. And then you're going into... Go ahead. I agree. It should be a standard. you know the last thing that was done down here? Please. It was Fort Lauderdale Players, pretty close to 22 years ago. Wow. Okay. Great okay. show. Nobody's done it in 22 years. Actors hasn't done it. Wick hasn't tried it. And, and there aren't a lot of other theater companies out there doing musicals. Stage Door has not done it in the last 22 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's... Uh, I agree, it should be a standard, it's not. What you're really asking me is, uh, are we going to try and do the edgy kind of work that, that Slow Burn did? And the answer is probably not, because the, the basis of our demographic, of our, uh, of our patrons, is uh, a lot of them come from the condominiums. Right. I don't think they would come to see the real edgy stuff. We're taking a risk this coming season. We're doing Urinetown. Mm-hmm. Now, it did win the Tony Award for Best Musical. I remember that much. Pardon? It did win the Tony Award for Best Musical, didn't it, one time? It did, but it's not done a lot because it's still edgy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Uh, Wedding Singer obviously is, 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 is I think, a bubblegum musical. And Avita's a standard. You, you try and put together your season, uh, you know, that, that that will have at least, you know, a guaranteed moneymaker. And, uh, and then you also have to apply your season based on, you know, what the competition's going to be. We, we put Wedding Singer in the fall because, you know, how many theaters are opening their shows between October and November, it's going to be humongous competition. So we figure we're, we're going to try and program for a more youthful demographic for that one. Of course. We'll see how it works out. So um, now I know also that you work with the Carbonell Awards. The Carbonell Awards, of course, is our uh, local uh, Tonys, you might say. And you yes, were a, or you are a Carbonell judge. So now I'm knowing... A, no, I'm, a nom- go I'm ahead. a nominator. So you're a nominator. Okay. So what is Correct. the difference between a judge and a nominator? The judges have to see a lot more than we do. Okay. Uh, I probably get assigned each quarter five or six shows, which will be maybe 20 shows over the course of a year, whereas the judges see anywhere between 85 and 90. Now, it's going to be a given that now that you are uh, compensating your talent uh, front and back of house is that you are going to be Carbonell eligible for these because I take it. okay because I take it you run uh, 12 shows, which was or I don't I don't I don't know if it still is the criteria where you do 12 shows. Yeah, we we, we, we do 16. So we're well within that. Okay. So is there any conflict of interest you now, in the sense your company will be Carbonell eligible and you being a nominator for other shows? Uh, I've put that question to the executive director and uh, I've spoken to her and she thinks as long as I uh, 
A, don't act in anything, uh, at P.P. Topa, and, and B, don't uh, be called upon to judge anything at P.P. Topa. That shouldn't be a problem. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the board of directors, and, uh, you know, that's not inconsistent with giving money to various theaters. I mean, no, nobody suggests there's a conflict of interest, and I've donated this year to Island City, to Gable Stage, to Slow Burn, and, and the list goes on. Okay. Now, going back to your personal uh, tastes in uh, theater, what theater do you like to see? Or what, what, for instance, what is your favorite musical? Do you have one? What is my favorite musical? If you have one. Oh, yeah. My favorite musical is Fiorello. Okay. Okay. And which we have never done. And that's because I'm told that uh, it wouldn't draw flies. Uh, <laughs> I've been proposing it for years. Mm. But it just never makes the cut. So, when when the artistic community, I'm sorry, that when the artistic committee gets to uh, figure out what they do in a season, like how many, like of course you have your slots, like how many shows are up for uh, those slots? Oh, generally the uh, the, 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 the play nominating committee recommends two or three shows uh, for each of the slots because you don't get the rights every time. Mm -hmm. uh, invariably, uh, for example, this year we ended up doing Adam's Family in the, uh, in the spring slot and, and, and that wasn't even one of our three choices. But every one of the shows that we had otherwise picked was being done by some other theater within a 50-mile radius at six months. And uh, as a result, we ended up having to pick Adam's family at the last minute. Okay. All right. And how did that do, as opposed to, say, uh, if you were to do Fiddler on the Roof, of, of course, you'd probably sell out every night. But how did Adam's family do? Broke even. Made okay. a little bit. Okay. Okay. And so I take it the overhead that you get, if you were to make over your budget, you would just put that into whatever next production you're going to do? That's correct. Okay. Okay. Another question I have is that after more than two decades, you all finally make the decision in order to turn pro. Have you received any blowback from the roster that you previously or still have? Now, all of a sudden, you're deciding to compensate and you have your people that are asking for reparations. Have you run into that yet? No, actually, uh, most of our cadre or uh, group of actors that have you know, been with us from, for years we were thrilled at the change and felt that uh, it was time we did this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I've never heard of retroactive compensation. <laughs> well, I suppose it could be. Yeah, well, you never know. I mean, you have, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, 
uh, well, I'm not necessarily sure. I'm just freestyling right now. But uh, I figured that you may have like one or two people that uh, were kind of thinking, hmm, you know, all of a sudden now they're starting to, they're, they're, they're ready to compensate. It's like, what, ab what about me that I've been doing all of this work for the past, you know, some odd years? And uh, where's my back pay? Which, you know, well, probably I, never. Well, will... Go ahead. I, I, I would say that they're still welcome to come out and audition if they get the role. You know, they'll get paid. And, and, and as I said before, I think that the people that have had leads in our shows, for, for the most part, would still be very competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, even going professionally, because they're really good. So, I mean, they're, they're really, really good. I, I mean, actors like Christy Angelo and uh, Kevin Smith, uh, 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 Shalia Sakona, these are people that can easily get paid anywhere they want. Uh, but we, we, we still rehearse in the evenings. Okay. We don't rehearse during the days. We run a longer rehearsal period, and we make it possible for people who have real jobs during the day to still be able to participate in theater, you know, uh, and, and go and be a part of a production, and now they can get paid doing it. Uh, I think it's, uh, for us, a good formula. Now, when push comes to shove, depending on the role and depending on the production, you will open up an equity contract like you've done in the past? Well, we, we, we've signed guest appearance contracts on three or four occasions. Okay. Okay. But I guess you'll make that decision when it comes down, when you're yeah, ready to. I mean, we, we thought that Erica, who's an equity actress, really fit the bill for what we wanted for Miss Mona. And we, we, we went out and, you know, we went and did the equity contract. Mm-hmm. So how much does the city itself come involved in PPTOPA? Have you had, of course, the, 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 the elected members of office like the mayor and uh, the vice mayor come out to see your shows? Oh, sure. And, and, and the, the, when Carl Schechter, who lived in Hollybrook, uh, was a commissioner, he used to bring the groups from Hollybrook. Uh, I like to think that we're part of the city and the city is part of us. And as I say, I, I look at it as a partnership with the city. Hmm. Now, also, I, I've, I'm, I'm, of course, you're probably going to run into the, uh, the, 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 the falls of perception. And for those who knew or know that Pembroke Pines Theater of the Performing Arts at the time or will be a professional theater, I'm sure that you'll run into people who think of it still as a community theater. So how do you uh, let them know and say, hey, you know, we are now going to compensate our talent. So please come out and audition for us, see our shows, and know that we are, you know, producing top quality theater. Well, we, 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 we uh, Bill, Bill Hirschman uh, uh, put a bit into Florida Theater on stage. We made the announcement in uh, several of the Facebook websites. Uh, we 
including a number of equity actors and actresses. I think the word is out in the community. Uh, and, uh, and I think over time, uh, more and more will participate. Hmm. So we're getting into the home stretch now. Um, what do you see as the future for the Pembroke Pines Theater of the Performing Arts? Um, is there going to be any, um, like for instance, uh, looking at a bigger venue or possibly doing renovations on the venue that you have already to provide you more resources? Well, the city put in a new sound system or, or, or adjusted the sound system in the uh, main theater uh, about a year ago, and I, I think we're going to recarpet it. It's a fairly new facility. And it's in pretty good shape, so I don't, I don't see any renovations, uh, uh, and, and, and I see no need for a larger venue. There's, you know, we we, we fight to, to fill a 450 seat theater. Uh, I, I think we'd be lost in a 700 to a thousand seat theater, and uh, I think it's perfect size for us. Hmm. So, other than the obvious, what do you think it's going to take? to have uh, people know that South Florida has great theater. Uh, also to keep the pool that we have here working here. Or is it just always just going to be the springboard where people start their careers here and then go other places in order to get a living wage? What do we need in order for uh, South Florida theater in order to grow and to keep the pool here and to, you know, put put us on the map? The, 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 well, I think the theater here is as good as theater anywhere that I've seen. Uh, and, and that, by the way, includes, you know, Broadway. It, uh, it, 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 it's amazing how many talented people have gone from South Florida up to New York and, and, and weren't able to make it in New York because the numbers of people that they're competing with up there are so huge that it's almost a function of luck to, to become successful in, in the New York area. Down here, you know, maybe people have to get side jobs or make additional uh, monies doing voiceovers or commercials. But, but it's, it's a good venue to, to be in for people who are actors. And I think if the, the proliferation of theaters down here continues and, and the quality remains, there's going to be enough jobs for everybody that, that people will be able to, to at least make enough out of, the, uh, out of doing the performing that, that they can you know, stay here and continue to perform here. Uh, if you take a look at your top performers in South Florida, they really don't roll over every year or two years. Uh, if you go back and look at the Carbonellas, it's pretty much uh, virtually the same people being nominated year after year because they're, they're, they're at the top of what they do. Occasionally you get new people to break in, uh, and, and that, that's great too, but there, there, there's a tremendous talent pool down here, and the, and the more theaters that are paying actors, the, the more reason there is for them not to leave. All right. 
Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule in order to speak with me, sir. And if one wanted to learn more about the Pembroke Pines Theater of the Performing Arts, um, can you give us uh, your uh, your tags? Our, our website is www.pptopa.com. And anything you want to know about us, you can find out right there. Great, great. So next, so... Right now, your up uh, your upcoming show. By the time this comes out, uh, will be the best little whorehouse in Texas. So that will be closing that season, correct? Yeah, that will close this season, and that runs from uh, July twelfth to the weekend of August the third or fourth, whatever that is. Okay, and then you restart your next season, which will be your yeah, professional theater professional th- season, your inaugural reboot you might say um and that'll be the wedding singer you're in town evita and a few good men not in that particular order that's correct few good men will come in january okay great great well once again i do appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me and to let people know about the uh the uh the your uh take on the uh, professional theater scene as well as PP uh, Topa, and um, I wish you much success. Um, you've been uh, doing this for quite a while now, over two decades, and I'm sure that uh, that uh, you're going to be around for a long time. You, in particular, as well as 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 the company. If you want to come see uh, Best Little Whorehouse, just send me a, a message on Facebook. Tell me your dates, and I'll take care of your tickets. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, my friend. You take care. Good. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Okay, Ken. Bye-bye. And, well, that was, once again, an Anatomy of a Podcast, also known as Episode 32 of the Kevin Johnson Program. Once again, we'd like to thank you very much for taking the time out to listen get to know our South Florida theater creatives. And we look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Take care.